Welcome back to the Closet Weeb Anime Podcast, the only anime podcast with teeth. <laughs> we're your hosts. My name is Lee. And my name is Bryce. Um, so we're uh, changing it up this episode a little bit. So we are going to do our This Week in Anime. I know, as you all know, um, first couple episodes for This Week in Anime, we wanted to dive into Talmas Nana, Higurashi, Jujutsu Kaisen. Uh, both Lee and I watched these shows about halfway through uh, the season. And then we're going to talk about some other cool, fun shows uh, we're watching um, give our thoughts. Um, then instead of doing our normal kind of weekly rants or kind of like our re- weekly top five rankings or something like that, um, we're going to dive into a show called Stein's Gate. So Stein's Gate is one of Lee's absolute favorite animes. It's not his personal favorite. Um, and finally, I was convinced to uh, watch it, check it out, get through it. I crushed it in about, I think I gave up after four episodes for like a week or two. And then um I crushed the rest of it in about a day and a half. So I was super into it. Um, I thought it'd be a fun topic to really do like a deep dive. So we're going to do a pre-spoiler section. So we won't ruin it for anyone who has not seen the show. But then we will announce, make it very clear that we are doing a spoiler section. We'll pause. We won't talk for 10 seconds in case you're driving or doing whatever. And you want to pause it or shut us off. It's okay. We'll forgive you. Um... But anyways, I think it's going to be a fun episode, and let's uh, let's get started with uh, This Week in Anime. Absolutely. You want to start us off with uh, Talos Nanali? Yeah, sure. Um, I don't know if you saw the most recent episode. It got uploaded like late last night, um, but I just watched it. Um, out of the seasonals, I, I've really been enjoying Talentless Nana. Um, I don't think it's going to be one of those shows that I'm going to remember long term. It's, it's quite kind of silly um, with how all the... Um, how do you say all the characters managed to have the same stupid flaws but overall the concept has proved to be very interesting um it's kind of it follows a very clear formula um and overall i've been enjoying it's very colorful it's a nice twist on a genre that's starting to become more and more prevalent um so i always like when something like this it's a little bit fresher uh, comes out what have your impressions been Bryce yeah so you're you're definitely you're an episode ahead of me the one that just came out um but yeah I mean I think it gets kind of ridiculous in the sense that uh how Nana kind of like escapes these situations and how like none of these talented people can sort of like catch on that like everyone is getting freaking killed like it's not like this rocket science concept um <laughs> and how she escapes every time the most like ridiculous way it's definitely gets a little bit unrealistic as we've gotten through the episodes um, but yeah, I mean, if you're not going to like super deep dive into it, it's a ton of fun to watch. It's like exciting. You're like very, you're definitely engaged and curious what like creative take like the uh, director or producer are going to take with it. Uh, but yeah, overall, I'd say it's a definitely enjoyable show. Um, then the next show on our list is uh, Higurashi, who obviously Lee, you're been, like, you followed the series from like start to finish. Like, um, I know at first people were curious if it was going to be a remake, if it was going to be a sequel. Uh, then obviously it became a sequel. Um, so I, you did tell me 100% <laughs> to start for the old one. And I was like, all right, but I do want to like do the seasonal anime, be able to talk about it. So I was like, whatever, I'll just watch the new one. Maybe hopefully some point I'll catch up and watch the, uh, the old one. But I mean, it's, I'm definitely confused a little bit, bits and pieces here and there. I'm not going to lie. But um, overall, I do find it a really enjoyable show. And it, it is probably, like, the best of, like, the seasonal anime for sure. And I feel like if I definitely watched it from, like, the old... I mean, you could speak to it more, but, like, watch the older version, I probably would have maybe appreciated it more. But, uh, no, I find it a really fun, like, unique, like, enjoyable concept. Um, 
definitely getting more into the like horror genre um especially after like episode um from episode four onward the show really took it up a level which i was like definitely like very at least episode four onward, really interested in um lee how about you i know you're so passionate about the show yeah, I, I love this series. Um, you know, it, it has a formula. Um, it is, as you've learned at this point, it is a chapter-based kind of show. Um, how and why that is, is part of the mystery. Um, and that's part of the information that you don't have yet. Okay. Um, but I, I do think, as I've continued to watch it, it the, uh, the creator has made it to where it's both a sequel and a bit of a remake. Okay. Um, and, you know... I. I obviously want to shy away from any spoilers. Um, I've been enjoying it. I think it's one of the low, like it's one of the lower ranking seasonal shows this year, but I think that's because it, it is so confusing. And if you're coming into it, not realizing it has kind of this history um, and that it is a bit of a slow burn, um, even though it does have, you know, it ramps things up every now and again. Um, I think it is a bit harder to motivate yourself to keep up with it because you are confused but like that's how the show is for everyone who starts watching it you know you would be equally confused if you were watching the original um but i'm coming into it with just obviously more background knowledge that being said i do have to say it's one of those shows that i i you know i think a lot of people have started to kind of wait until a season is done before they start watching a show because sometimes they're just hard to wait a week to watch it episodically and i think higarashi kind of suffers from that where you know there are episodes where not a whole lot seems to happen especially with the chapter nature of the show so i can see why it has probably lost a lot of viewership as the season has progressed but i'm obviously excited to see where it goes i love the overarching plot of this show so i'm happy to see an addition to it so Moving on from Higurashi, uh, I want to talk now about Jujutsu Kaisen, which is like the big shonen anime of this season. It definitely seems like it is the most popular show out there this season. Um, I got to say, I've been really, this most recent episode, I really enjoyed. Um, it is a beautiful show. The animation yeah. is um, really nice. The one thing I think is funny that every time they show the logo for the show, the logo looks ugly. Like the, uh, the logo looks like it was made in like MS paint, but the rest of the show, the animation is beautiful. Um, and even though I honestly don't think I'm going to keep up with the show, if it turns into some hundred episode long-term story, uh, I've definitely been enjoying it episode to episode, um, starting to see more of these battles, but you know, you're more of the shonen trash here. So, uh, <laughs> what, what, what are your thoughts on it, Bryce? Yeah. Um, no, I've, so first like the ending, like song and animation is the coolest thing ever. I've enjoyed it. I watch it every time. I think it's just so enjoyable. Um, but no, it's like, it's a very stereotypical, like shonen anime and we've dived into like the basics of it before and like some similarities to like bleach for sure. And like an origami too. Um, but no, I mean, I, I enjoy the characters so far. It's definitely a world I'm, like, invested in, like, slowly, like, developing and, like, learning more about. Um, it's a cool concept. I, I enjoy it. There aren't any characters I dislike or detest so far. They have a panda, which is a huge plus. We talked a bit about that. But, um, <laughs> no, I, I mean, I've been enjoying it so far. I mean, obviously, again, I kind of definitely love, like, the Shonen Trash genre. I think it definitely fits the mold of, like, their so-called big three with My Hero Academia and Black Clover. Um, and I think it definitely it will be one of those shows where it's like probably a hundred plus episodes. I would not be surprised. Um, I don't personally know though. I haven't like read the manga or anything for the show, but like, even if not basically how popular it's going to be, I've no doubt they'll try to make it like elongated as long as possible. Um, 
in terms of like other shows I'm seeing, I am watching a couple other uh, shonen. One of the ones I'm seeing is kind of like shows I've already started and just kind of finishing. So like High Q, which has already been around for I believe four seasons. I think this is like the I believe this is like I guess the fifth season. However you want to count like the arcs, um, but it's spectacular show. I I still think it's like one of the best sports anime. It just does such a good job like developing each of the characters, like the flashbacks and like understanding and connecting everyone to this world and like there aren't any characters again there aren't characters i like hate or detest and watch them like grow and mature and like you're so it's the ultimate i call like the ultimate tournament arc to be honest um (laughs) but it's so for me it's it's fantastic um another show i'm watching fire force i mean it's it's a mediocre shonen like at best um and i i guess i started during like a season where there wasn't a lot going on that's when i saw the first season so i was like all right i guess i'll continue watching the second season and it just became this sort of like fan service trash to be brutally honest, which was really, really disappointing, I think, too. Because, I mean, Shonen, I mean, I wouldn't say is like, 100%, like, fan service trash, right? Like, I mean, you'd expect it more, like, on the action-y side. But I think Fire Force is definitely more on, like, the fan service trash side, in my opinion. And that's been really disappointing. Um, I still think that's one of the better, like, openings of any, like, show. Like, every time they come up with, like, a new arc or new season, it's, like, fantastic. Um, I've still, shame on me, been watching uh, Noblesse, which has been a train wreck. I have nothing positive to say about it. Um, <laughs> but again, I've reached a stage where I just want to see these things and see what happens. When you, when I've committed to a show, I will like do my best to hopefully like see it through. Um, then Akajama Drive has, for me, definitely been like the sleeper show of the season, still for sure. Like it is such a cool world and such like interesting characters. Like definitely like the dark like heavily influenced by like the Danganronpa uh, art style and vibe um it's super enjoyable so I've been really into that um then uh I've been watched uh they brought back this show called a regular magic high school uh, maybe if we have any listeners who like watch a lot of anime on Netflix that was always like recommended to people to like check out um don't think it's really anything special or crazy it definitely capitalized on being popular during when fantasy anime was popular and being one of the first like animes being on uh really heavily advertised and shown and recommended on netflix um but so i saw i've seen i guess four episodes of the second season so far i, I think i still have two or three more to catch up to but it, it's bad i'm not I can't, I can't recommend this so there's definitely a lot of like trash i'm watching this season i'm not gonna lie but if i had to like i don't know i guess like rank them um i'd probably do i'd probably do haiku would be one um i'd put akudama drive two I'd probably put Higurashi 3, Kaizen, Jutsu Kaizen 4, Talentless Nana 5, um, and then whatever trash I'm watching after, like, at the end. I wouldn't (laughs) say any of them are, like, far superior than the other. Um, Lee, I know you've been, oh my god, I would love you to tell the audience how much uh, Black Clover, how many, I guess, episodes, hours, like, time you've spent uh, watching this. And um, I think one point maybe we'll do a future episode, like, comparing Black Clover and Meyer Academia, I think, could be really fun. Um, Absolutely. But uh, I'd love kind of, like, yeah, your, like, initial thoughts, because you've really seen a lot. You've been texting me throughout <laughs> watching it, which has been a ton of fun, by the way. Yeah, no, so I, I'm, I'm a believer um, in Black Clover now. Um, obviously, I'll, you know, I trash the shonen genre, but you know, you got to give it credit where credit is due. Uh, Black Clover does a really great job on pacing. Um, if it hadn't, I don't think I would have been able to watch four years worth of the show in uh, less than three weeks. Uh, I'm not fully caught up yet, um, but I am around episode 120 now. Um, and just a few of the like funny things that I've like, just made me laugh more than anything. So like, I finally got introduced to the uh and I'm going to make this as spoiler free as possible, but uh, the dude who can control buildings, he's uh, he was one of the uh, 
um, the Black Bulls. Um, and his his last name is Legoland, which again I guarantee you is just a pun on Legoland. Um, so <laughs> that made me laugh. And then there was a scene in um, the whenever they enter the Dark Castle or whatever they call it in the show, and uh, Mimosa and Asta, you know, they they can't fight separately. So Asta just looks at her and he's like, "We need to combine." Um, and, and this is a line that's kind of frequently used in anime. Uh, the, the specific Japanese word is gatai, um, which just means combine. Um, but this is also a dirty joke. Um, gatai, it's a euphemism. Uh, it can, you know, obviously, uh, well, you know, it means to combine. So I'll just leave it at that. But, uh, you'll, you'll also <laughs> see this exact same joke made. I think it was in, uh, it's pretty popular joke in a uh, Gurren Lagan. Um, and so anytime you see a guy say we need to combine and a girl blushes, that is, that is why they do that. They do it every single time they don't miss the opportunity. So, um, if you keep an eye out for that, I think you'll start to enjoy, uh, just that, that like kind of hidden joke. Um, but anyway, uh, that's all we have for this week in anime. So now I want to get us into Steins gate. Now this, uh, this change in format was pushed by me. I, whenever Bryce finished this show, I knew I wanted to talk about it um, in depth. You know, I wanted to really, um, it, this is definitely one of my top five anime. Uh, I rewatched it earlier this year. I did a whole write up on it within our group of friends saying how good I still think it is. Um, so this is the pre-spoiler section. So you are safe to listen to this, even if you haven't seen it. Um, but anyway, so the brief summary of the plot with no spoilers is that there is a group of friends uh, that is led by a self-proclaimed mad scientist, and they end up creating a machine that can send text messages uh, into the past. And um, yeah, so this obviously can lead to it is a time travel show, um, and that feels kind of like it's a genre in and of itself. So, you know, it kind of prepares you for what you're going to get into but i think the first thing we can talk about without really getting into spoilers is the cast the characters of the show um so i obviously already have a lot of warm feelings because i've seen the show before but i really want to hear from you bryce you know who did you like who didn't you like i, I remember getting your text messages live while you were watching this <laughs> um and some of the some of the comments you made made me laugh um but yeah i want to hear kind of your thoughts on who made your you who was on your good list who was on your bad list yeah no i had a that was a good introduction um i had a lot of uh ups and downs i would say describing the characters in in real time for sure um so <laughs> Uh, the two main characters, uh, Hyoma and Kurisu, are uh, fantastic. Like, their dynamic is super interesting. They both have depth. They both, like, develop. Um, Kyoma's, like, a spectacular character who, like, you really get to, like, grow with him, like, as he goes through these, like, uh, massive ups and downs. Mainly downs, I would say, but um, <laughs> he always tries to find a way to hopefully end a little bit of, like, a lighthearted note and, like, end with a smile and a smirk and create this kind of like hopefully positive tone when all these really dark and despair things are happening so i love absolutely love both of their characters and that's what you told me too like you were, you said you know if if there's characters i don't like you just you really need to be attached to the two his main characters too and that will like make the journey so much more enjoyable to the other main characters uh mayuri who says i think you do, you say it better than me the tutu <laughs> uh, she's a tutu girl yeah. uh <laughs> and oh i can't stand her Oh my god, like, I absolutely, oh, I hated, like, everything about her, dude. I, like, could not stand, like, I couldn't find a single useful line she, like, ever said. So not a fan. Um, Daru is, like, this, like, fat, 
pervert, like, oh, another character just not invested in, not engaged in, don't really <laughs> care about. Obviously, like, they have roles in the show. I'm not going to get into that uh, at this point, but, um, oh, my God, I could not. So the problem definitely was, like, I couldn't stand, like, half of, like, the main cast. But, again, they're not doing most of the dialogue at all. It's still mainly, like, uh, Kiyoma and Karisu. And then the side cast, um, Ruka is a fantastic character and you kind of you also kind of led me into this a little bit in advance too because you were saying how uh how they were able to handle the kind of transgender topic in anime uh, mm-hmm. do you want to go into that lee actually do i go to ruka real quick yeah sure so and this isn't a spoiler uh this is something that's covered basically as the character is introduced but ruka is this um cute girl character um but it is made very early on apparent or not apparent but uh known that uh ruka is in fact uh biologically male um and you know i think the japanese culture in general is a little bit you know i think you have shows like oran high school host club that cover things like you know cross-dressing and transgenderism um and usually it's relatively lighthearted um and sometimes comical but overall i i i think a lot of shows especially in the west um if they handle this lightheartedly could do so in a way that's um disrespectful and i think that steins gate um you know, you have a main character who will occasionally make insensitive lines. Um, however, it's more from a place of ignorance and friendship rather than um, th- rather than Ruka being the butt of the joke. So um, as that character was introduced, I kind of made it apparent. I made it known to Bryce that they handle it really well. Um, and it is a rel- relevant plot point. Um, so, you know, it's not just like we're making a mountain out of a molehill. It is something uh, that is worth discussing. Oh. Absolutely. Um, so I think uh, he, or I guess she, he is one of my changes. Yeah, we'll get into that. I guess I don't want to say that without spoiling the show. Um, Ruka yeah. is definitely one of the uh, best characters for sure. Um, Ferris, the cat girl, can't stand. I can't stand <laughs> for like, why a person like pretends to be a cat. I know, Lee, you said this is like a very common uh, Japanese um, cultural yeah. thing. Like, sorry so- for that. Yeah, no. So this character, so one thing that we'll touch on a little bit in a bit is this show takes place in Akihabara, um, Tokyo, which is like the otaku uh, mecca. You know, this is, you know, if you've seen photos of Japan and you've seen these areas with maid cafes, a bunch of electronic stores and all of this anime culture, that is where this story takes place. And then obviously, um, the way they've decided to design their characters isn't always based on what's going to be the most pleasant for the audience. Sometimes it's more of, you know, giving you a feel of this setting through the characters. So, um, yes, you have this cat girl um, named Ferris who works at a, um, you know, maid cafe where all the girls wear cat ears and they end their sentences with nya, which is... Uh, yeah, we aren't the type of people to go to anime conventions. So fortunately, we don't have to listen to that in uh, real life. But it, it, it's it's that. And that, that obviously wears you down. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And then now we're getting to my uh, favorite character in the show, uh, Suzuha, a.k.a. Pigtails. I completely forgot all these characters' names, like... <laughs> every minute and i would like just send lee like descriptions of who they are like cat girl and pigtails and phone girl and lee would basically eventually have to just figure out what i'm saying because i wasn't gonna bother to remember every character's name uh but suzuha is a fantastic character from like start to finish um love her character like definitely enjoy we'll get into more in the spoiler section but fantastic character um moeka the phone girl hate her never liked her i also just like literally it's like the epitome of like the uh 
Gen Zer, like ultimate super millennial, just every like this person just like staring at their phone 24 7, 365, no like value add in like any sort of conversation or interaction. Mm-hmm. So absolutely could not stand that character. And then Braun is obviously just like the shop owner and like really the landlord. Like, yeah, the landlord. He's like a funny guy, like kind of fits into like the dynamic, helps contribute to a uh, little bit of the like lighthearted nature when like a lot of like dramatic things are happening. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I like, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on like, I guess the main cast or the side cast and then you can get into, uh, I know you want to go into obviously like the settings and like location and everything. Yeah, and they're kind of tied together. So again, th- this is another show that was originally a visual novel. Um, and again, a lot of these characters, I feel like when they were storyboarded, were based on trying to hit certain marks. So uh, Moika, who is what we referred to as the phone girl, because um, she's kind of like a hikikomori, a shut-in. She doesn't speak out loud using her voice, uh, except for a few times in the show. She's always just, even if she is physically in front of you, she is sending you text messages to say what she wants to say. Um, you know, So she's touching on that part of this kind of nerd culture. You have Ferris the cat girl with the maid cafes. You have Daru, who is like the online uh basically the 4chan user who's just this fat nerd uh who constantly is making a bunch of um really dated 20 like 2010 internet jokes um (laughs) that that is part of the show that i don't think has aged well um but it is a bit of a time capsule Uh, but again at the end of the day um i think okabe and kurisu um the main character and the female main character his the kind of um love interest are done extremely well and they ultimately get the most screen time. Um, I, <laughs> I understand Bryce's frustration with my Yuri, um, the two to do girl. Uh, she is a bit, uh, annoying. I'm a little bit more forgiving on her because she plays a little bit more of the, uh, younger sister character and she is a pivotal role. Um, she has a pivotal role in the story. So I tend to be a little bit more, um, sympathetic, <laughs> sympathetic to her. Um, uh, but, that being said, uh, next section I want to talk about is more the kind of settings, location, and art style. Um, touching on that again, this was based on a visual novel, and the setting is placed in Akihabara, Tokyo, and it never really goes anywhere else. So um, I think this is kind of a remnant of the uh, visual novel heritage where you have this medium where you get a bunch of relatively pretty detailed background images and you just keep recycling them, reusing them. So you know, it, the show has a lot going for it, but ultimately, and you know, I'd love to hear from you too, Bryce. Visually speaking, there's nothing, it's not bad. It's just, just nothing particularly stand out in my opinion. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you had much to say on this topic either. Um, yeah, I mean, the only thing I guess I would say is, um, I'm curious what you think. Is it So is this really like realistic, like Japan, like when you went to visit? Um, and there, I still start the art style first, but the art style for me, um, yeah, it, I didn't think it was anything special, anything like crazy or like stood out like but it was it was good. It was nothing like wrong with it. But is the location? Is it like did you feel like it was very like realistic for like 2010s Japan? Uh, absolutely. Actually, I, I've, I've been to Akihabara. Um, I think that it it definitely was just uh, they were focused more on just capturing a realistic setting looking and they weren't spending too much time focusing on it. So there's not a lot of stylized set pieces or anything like that. It is just this is what you could imagine a generic Japanese apartment to look like. This is what you could imagine a generic Japanese street, you know, Tokyo street to look like. So um, all of it's, you know, 
realistic. It's just not particularly impressive. And then I think finally, the only other thing on the style um, that I want to talk about is as a genre, it is hard to kind of classify. Um, it's a, it's a lot of mixtures of different things. Um, it's, you know, you know, part time travel, which isn't always technically a genre uh, as much as it's a plot device. Um, but it's sci-fi mixed with almost slice of life at times. Cause you get a lot of these, um, and this is part of what makes the beginning of the show so slow, but you get a lot of these scenes where it's just this group of friends, this gang hanging out, doing regular people activities. And so I think that, you know, is that kind of what made it a slow start for you, Bryce? Yeah, I definitely, uh, yeah. I mean, I obviously like I gave up after four episodes. I couldn't get through it. Um, yeah. I mean, it was, again, it was kind of like half the main characters I wasn't invested in. I didn't care about the stereotypical tropes. Um, but then obviously there's like, a reason to point behind it. And then once you get like to the halfway point, then it really, I think the sci-fi aspect of it really kind of like, I'd say takes off um, <laughs> for sure. All right. Well, with that, folks, we are now entering spoiler territory. Um, spoilers are going to be happening. If you're driving, um, take both hands off the... I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> we're giving you time. Everything past this point is going to become a spoiler zone where we will talk about the plot in depth. So I've said this for roughly 10 seconds now. All right. I feel like you've had enough time now. Let's get into it. So um, I'm going to cover the plot a little bit more in depth. So um, the show, as we've already said, has a slow start, um, but it fully pays off because of how meticulously thought out the plot is. So every small B plot you thought you were watching um, as a B plot has now led up to a world line where Mayuri, um, the two to do girl, cannot survive past august 13th 2010 Thank god by the way i was so happy <laughs> oh my god you're you're evil um so one thing that we didn't touch on is whenever they send these text messages into the past the kind of butterfly effect as we've come to know it basically shifts okabe um or rinta uh, or kyoma into another world line so he is the only character in the show who is able to perceive these changes um from one timeline to another which is, again, why it really matters that you care about him. Um, but not only that, um, you know, the show has progressed. So all of these different B-plots where they start utilizing this time machine where they send text messages in the past um, is changing the world line until it gets to a point where, as we mentioned, Mayuri, he realizes, cannot survive past a certain date. So um, as we progress, both Okabe and the audience... Um, you know, he realizes that he has to work his way backward and undo all of these changes that they've made um, using the time machine. Um, and he, they start to be successful with that. But as both Okabe and the audience are starting to feel optimistic about returning to the original world line before any of the jumps, uh, both he and the audience are reminded of a pretty long forgotten detail, at least to me, you know, when I first watched it, it, it completely left my mind. Um, and that is that Kuriso, uh, Kuriso dies in the first episode. Um, you know, it's one of those things that's touched on. That's why he refers to her as a zombie early on in the show, because he could have sworn he saw her dead. Um, but as the audience, we never understand why she's alive after that, um, up until this point. So um, that's kind of my brief, less than brief plot summary. Um, but I want to talk about some notable scenes. So obviously I did a rewatch this year, but Bryce, this was your first go into it. So, you know, what were some of the scenes that really stuck out to you um, and kind of left an impression? 
Yeah, for sure. So the first one that definitely stands out. Um, so I knew like from texting you, cause I, again, I really wanted to kind of like give up on the show, but you were like, just wait till like episode 12, like something's going to happen or whatever. And I was trying to guess like, all right, someone like has to be like a traitor or something bad's going to happen. Right. There's gotta be some sort of traitor. And I literally went through every possible character trying to guess who the traitor is pretty much. I went, as I was texting you, like while watching it, um, and then when CERN breaks in and then kills Mayuri for the first time, I was shocked. Um, I was like, because obviously you see uh, Suzuha, like, all right, she's keeps warning, like, what time it is, like, what's going on in the setting. And she's like, I got to go. And she disappears. So I'm like, oh, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe she's the one who's like the traitor. And I'm kind of like really surprised because, again, Pigtail is my favorite character. Um, but... Oh my god, when you learn it's like phone girl, I mean it definitely like in a way like it's possible it hints at it, but like it, it could be a little too obvious maybe and you're like going back and forth and they definitely like lead you into that kind of mindset kind of thinking. Um but I was shocked, man. I did not see like Mayuri getting killed coming, like I didn't see any of that, and then that's obviously when like the show just goes to a completely different level, like trying to like solve this problem and gets really dark and pressing but like also really interesting and exciting but yeah man i was absolutely my mouth like dropped i had to like pause it i had to like understand exactly what i saw and like what was going on like i couldn't even imagine like i thought for a second of like oh my god what if i was in that world at that time and i had to like respond like the way like okabe like did i was like i i don't know man that's like a lot to take in because right you said like mayuri's like his little sister and that's like just such an unreal scene and like betrayal like in such a quick like succinct couple moments from like so much happiness and like having a good time like they really lead you in i mean oh my goodness lee how about you yeah and so and that's i always that that happens on the um you know at at the halfway point of the show which is why every time i recommend this show to someone i'm like you have to stick it through to the halfway point if you get to that point and you're still not interested then you know leave but um yeah the first time i saw it similarly i I, it was just very much a oh crap moment and then the show just picks up from there um another scene that i you know found interesting um this show has a really good way um an unrealistic way but a good way of making sure that literally every character is combined at some level you know there are a lot of these secret relationships that you don't truly know about um one of which um (laughs) it's interesting um and i think you probably weren't a huge fan of that is that we realized that daru the fat pervert uh is actually suzuha pigtails uh father in the future um and so th- that's a reveal, um, which is interesting, probably unnecessary, but at least interesting. Um, and then the other thing is that um, she actually returns further into the past um, because they need to acquire this IBM computer that's extremely rare. Um, and for me, the scene where they send her back and then uh, they get this letter from Braun um, that was written to her, written to them by Suzuha in the past, basically writing to let them know that you know, she lost her memory um, upon going back in time and she ended up like wasting, in a sense, wasting her time not acquiring this computer. And it's just this extremely sad um, letter saying that, you know, I failed, I failed, I failed over and over again, um, which is extremely sad. And so uh, I, I really enjoyed it. it. It is a sad end for Suzuha, who's one of the, you know, more likable uh, side cast members in the show. Um, but I definitely, um, that one always stuck with me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I love her character. That's definitely sad for her in that timeline, but yeah, it's, it, it, I love how her character like 
is and like the different timelines and like what keeps happening each time like uh okabe like revises it yeah i love her character and when oh my god and finding out when daru was her father oh my god i was so pissed i absolutely was not a fan of that especially um, since they like spend so much time and I, I think to them it's like a haha gotcha moment but like if anything it just makes everyone feel kind of gross because he does make these gross pervy comments that is um, frequently um and then even when he finds out she's his daughter he's still kind of being creepy about it which uh, i don't want to c- claim it's a cultural thing but like it must be a cultural thing because that's just weird and gross yeah no it's just wrong um and so then another one notable scene that really stood out to me um, was Braun proving that he was uh, FB, and FB is, like, this uh, character who basically gives, like, Moeka and, like, these other people instructions, like, um, so Braun is, like, uh, obviously someone, like, under CERN, also, like, I guess really, like, a pawn of CERN, and he's, like, kind of, like, he basically is so good at, like, texting people and, like, understanding what they want, what they need, what kind of support they need to get them through the day, that they'd become dependent on Braun and dependent on, like, the tasks of CERN. And it shows, like, how dark and, like, depressing, like, this world is and how he knew exactly what, like, these people needed to hear and, like, how to best take advantage of them. You come to, like, that kind of realization, you're like, holy crap. Like, I definitely did not see, like, the Braun part coming, like, at all. And then um, Moeka gets, like, shot and Braun, like, kills himself. And you see his daughter like, just making breakfast, like, happy as can be, like, this innocent little girl, right? And he, she's just sitting there for breakfast by herself, and, like, you just see her dad, like, dead, like, blood coming out of his head. And I was just, oh, my God. That was just, for me, I think that might have been, I guess, like, the most, like, maybe that was, like, the most impactful, for me, at least might have been the most impactful episode, because, like, so much happened, like, kind of so quickly. I was just shocked. Um, how about you, Lee? Uh, yeah, so another thing um, that I really enjoyed um, was, so I mentioned it earlier that both the audience and the main character Okabe kind of forget that in the very first episode, they see Kurisu dead. And this is at the point where the show is starting to feel really optimistic. They've been able to successfully undo a lot of the, uh, you know, time um, timeline changes, the world line changes that they had made up to that point. Um, and then Kurisu reminds Okabe uh, who's been stuck in this time loop for an extremely long time that uh, he saw her dead. Um, and it's at this point where both the audience and Okabe realize that in order to save Mayuri um, from dying, uh, he basically has to allow Kurisu go back to a world line where Kurisu can't live. Um, and that that's another one of those very much, oh crap moments. I rank that on like, Almost, I find that more of a shocking moment in the show than the first time that Mayuri gets shot because it really is the first time that you're posed with like a nearly unsolvable hurdle. Um, and so for me, I, I always found that to be one of the biggest like goosebumps kind of moments. What about you? Um, no, I, dude, I like completely agree. I was like completely shocked by it. Dude, like just the, everything about this show is just like, Every kind of, like, flashback, every kind of trip he has to take or more uh, time travel instance he has to, like, undo is filled with this, like, new shocking layer that you just don't expect and you just don't see coming. Like, and that's, I think, what makes the show, like, so compelling and so interesting. Mm -hmm. And then one thing I wanted to talk about, because I think you really did enjoy that section, how well it was done, is, you know, what were your thoughts on the kind of undoing the Ruka um, world line change? Yeah, that was, like... 
that was really tough. Oh my god. Like I, I think I think it must have been I think first well one thing that like stood out to me, I guess like it's a little bit different in that sense, but like when he has when he figures out that like Ruka is like a girl and like there's a really uncomfortable scene where he like kind of like Wait, I think we should say, um, so this is the point where Ruka, I know this is like the spoiler section, so hopefully they already know this, but um, Ruka, who is biologically a boy at the beginning of the story, uh, they send a D-mail back in time that actually ends up changing her gender, which again, it's a, it's a bit of a stretch, but this is the point where uh, Okabe realizes that um, Ruka is now actually biologically female as well. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, definitely worth bringing up. And... So yeah, so like to test, I guess that like Ruka is a like uh, a girl. He like tries to grab like what's supposed to be, I guess, like a penis, and it creates this really awkward, like uh, for me at least, very like cringeworthy scene. Um, but overall, like I mean, the way he handles it like is so well, and he gives her this like amazing like date experience, and they have this like amazing time together, and it's kind of this like weird confession where like. Ruka admits that kind of she's like always been kind of in love with Okabe, but it's like never been okay because Ruka was a guy and like recognize that this is like kind of like the one and only time for them to like go on this like date and spend this like time together. And what I what I loved about it is that, you know, all these dark and depressing things are happening because, you know, um, Okabe is trying to do like whatever it takes for Mayuri to like come back to life. He's mentally like broken down. But even through all of that, he's able to like take a step back and realize like, you know, this could be just like an unbelievable day for Ruka, even though uh, he, she, she at a time uh, may never like remember it, remember remember the experience, even though it's a possibility based on the timelines overlapping. Um, but for me, that stood out so much, like how he was able to like kind of bring himself together and have this like, and he was nervous, right? The date was super awkward at first, but then he realized like he doesn't have to be someone else. Like Ruka liked him for being him, and that's kind of like this really cool like genuine like romantic like amazing episode an amazing moment and i think the show does it so well with like going through the city the like music the animation like even the awkward dialogue and how realistically awkward and kind of strange a situation is to eventually like doing whatever they can to like try to make it work and not going over the top like a like a typical like romance anime it was very realistic in that sense um do you have any other scenes or anything you want to go over lee yeah, so um, just a few more, which are again, these are like really climactic scenes in the show. Um, so you have Okabe and Kurisu's like climactic like love confession. So one thing I really like is that the show doesn't like have them never admit that they like each other. So obviously Kurisu is very much like the tsundere, like, uh, what do you mean you like me? You baka, like that kind of like overdone trope. But um, th- they do it in such a great way where, you know, Okabe is basically breaking down um, you realize how many times Okabe has had to watch Mayuri, um, his basically little sister, die off screen. You know, it's kind of like the Groundhog's Day thing where you don't see all the times that he has tried and failed to, you know, save her life. Um, and he gets to the point where he, he basically says that, you know, you know, what's one more time? I can handle it. You know, I can't it, it won't break me. Um, you know, increasingly slaps him. Um, you know, she convinces him that he needs to continue trying to save Mayuri, even if it kills her. They actually confess their feelings, thank God, and they actually have like a kiss, um, which shouldn't feel that rare. But like Japanese, like storytelling, a lot of time is very much about like restraint and what's not said or what's not done. So, from a Western perspective, I, I very much appreciate uh, them actually being able to, uh, you know share their feelings um rather than have it be like some unspoken thing um and then also um 
uh, kind of to mirror that uh, in a similar situation, um, Okarine does try to go back and figure out a way to save Kurisu uh, in her their previous timeline after jumping back. Um, and because of the kind of uh, eventualities of these world lines, he ends up um, killing her himself. Um, and when he comes back, he he's basically broken, ready to give up. Um, and then similar to how Kurisu slapped him, Mayuri slaps him, you know, telling him not to give up. Um, and then more importantly, Okabe actually receives a message from himself in the future with a plan on how to save uh, Kurisu. And this is like the, penult- the penultimate episode. Um, you know, it's the final hope, the final plan. Uh, you get to have like this kind of cool moment of, you know, uh, an Okabe from the future where he's had to live without her sending back in time a message where he's finally figured it out. Um, and you know, you have the weird mad scientist talk and I just found it to be such an awesome kind of climactic moment for the show, especially since the show has so many climactic moments like that. Um, having one final one that really tops it off, um, I think was done extremely well. Um, I think we can also get into something like kind of like the specifics we liked about the show, not necessarily just like only the notable scenes. Something that really stood out to me um, was again, so I was someone who's a very like slow star into the show. And when you read like a lot of the reviews, it's kind of like similar sentiment. Like some people say, oh, this show is too boring. It's too slow because they couldn't get through like the first three or four episodes. And I've talked to my friends. I was like, oh, have you guys ever seen Steins Gate? And they kind of had, again, a similar sentiment of like, oh, man, I'm going to give up. And I kind of was in the same boat. Like I stopped after four episodes. And then I texted and Lee was like, Bryce, you got to You got to finish this. I promise you, like, trust me, like, it's worth it. Um, And so, yeah, and and Lee was obviously spot on. Like it's what's so cool is all like even if it's like a considered like a slow episode slice of life type of vibe, um, it provides so much value when you're trying to like catch up and you're trying to like undo all these time travel changes it shows that every scene matters it's definitely a show that like i feel like obviously you've seen it a second time i feel like it's a show that would be so rewarding watching it a second time um what else did you like yeah no it it definitely deserves a rewatch i mean give it some time obviously you know but a few years later rewatching it kind of knowing how it's building everything up is extremely satisfying um i really like the fact that even though um part of the idea of stein's gate or what he calls reading steiner uh is basically this idea that something's different about okabe because he's the main character and so he's actually able to maintain his memories when he jumps world lines um and many of the scenes show that the characters um could still recollect some of these memories together. So even though it doesn't really make logical sense, uh, it makes the story significantly less depressing. So things like um, Ferris having to give up a future where she could live together with her dad who tragically dies when she's young. Obviously, Ruka, who, you know, has to basically give up living a life where she is the biological gender that she feels she is. Um you know, all of these things, it's at least kind of rewarded by the fact that many of these characters are able to kind of um, maintain some trace of memory from these other worlds. I think my Yuri touches on it as well whenever she kind of has a moment where she says that she can tell that Okabe is, you know, far away and that she keeps having these nightmares where, you know, she's dying and Okabe is trying to save her. Um, and so even though sci-fi wise doesn't really make any sense, um, I think from a story perspective, it, it's done extremely well, um, making it more um, upbeat and optimistic. And I think Bryce, you had kind of some comments about that as well. Yeah. So, I mean, 
I wouldn't say I'm someone who loves, like, watching the darkest, most depressing uh, shows in the world, right? Like, my anime of choice, I watch a lot of shonen, I watch a lot of isekai. Um, and But what's cool about Stein, and that definitely kind of made me in fear, kind of watching Stein's Gate, because I heard it's a little bit kind of dark and damper. Um, but the way they're able to have, especially from, like, episode, I think it was, like, 12 onward, um, they're able to have all of these serious and, like, super stressful moments, but find a way to make some scenes like optimistic, lighthearted, but not in like an annoying way where it doesn't fit in at all to what's going on. Um, they kind of fit it in really smoothly. And again, like the example I kind of brought up before was like the date between Okabe and um, Ruka, the fact that uh, Kurisu and Okabe always have their kind of funny little banter at like every uh, twist and turn. And that's what um, Mayuri is definitely for that purpose for sure. Like she definitely can provide like optimism and like happiness that kind of like fits in when you're like kind of down in the dumps per se and what's actually like realistically going on when okabe should be like mentally breaking down which he kind of is for sure but like um it just so could be realistically so dark and even more depressing but the way they're able to just get and like make this so like i guess optimistic in a sense is like makes it just such a great fantastic show um lee how about you anything else yeah um, just one final thing. There are plenty of time travel shows out there, um, and all of them follow their own internal logic. Um, and you know, that's kind of what's enjoyable about the genre is there's no two shows that are exactly alike. Um, I really like that Steins Gate handles it a little bit differently. Um, you have a bit of the Groundhog's Day similarity where, you know, it feels like he's trapped in a loop, but technically he could stop at any time. It's just that he's not willing to live in a future where these people he care about uh, cares about die. Um, so the idea of these world lines that have eventualities tied into them that couldn't be changed um, was extremely interesting. So, you know, having to figure out a way to work around these rules, having to figure out a way to, um, you know, find Stein's Gate. Stein's Gate is this idea of a world line where basically everyone can live and you can avoid world war three. Um, I found that to be a really interesting perspective and take on the time general time travel genre that I've never seen before. I'm not saying it's never been done before, but I've never seen that way. So um, again, it's definitely top five, potentially top three anime for me. Um, I think Bryce, you mentioned it's at least in your top 10, I think. Yeah, no, it's definitely in that conversation for sure. No, definitely really enjoyed it. Um, for sure. So anyway, that's our episode today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys uh, letting us change up the format a little bit. Um, that's all for this week. If you want to reach us on Twitter, we are at weeb underscore podcast. And you can also email us at closetedweebap at gmail.com. Definitely let us know um, if you like the format. If you have some cool topics or cool shows you'd love us to like dive into and cover, like, you know, we'll definitely do our best. Um, and we'll see you all next week. Have a great uh, week.